Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Anthony D. Bridgman with us. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Thomas Edison Dr. Bridgman is a highly skilled and overtly student-focused educational leader, possessing a strong commitment to the development of students and staff, as well as a solid team player with a proven record of accomplishments in collaborating with schools and local communities. He has worked to increase student achievement and maintain excellence in education. He is a trustworthy professional with excellent interpersonal skills to develop strong and lasting relationships with all stakeholders of the school community. Dr. B, Doc, or Dr. B-Man, as he is affectionately known by his students and staff, has had various positions in the educational and counseling field. Teacher, program director, therapist, vice principal, and principal. He is also an adjunct college professor at the Center for Integrated Teacher Education at the College of St. Rose teaching educational leadership classes to teachers and administrators. Dr. B has facilitated many workshops in the United States and other countries. He is going into his ninth year as principal of West Islip High School. Dr. B's mission is to motivate, to educate, and inspire people. So welcome, Dr. Anthony D. Bridgman. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yes, I am. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Awesome. So, Anthony, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? I have a very diverse background in counseling, teaching, and leadership. Trifecta. Yes. <laughs> in my first introduction to leadership was when I was a teenager in high school in mm-hmm. Grenada, campaigning and running for different positions in the schools, student councils, student government. And then as a young man growing up in the church, I took on many leadership roles in the church as a youth leader, um, as an elder. And when I was a teacher, I did a whole lot as a male teacher. In those days, you didn't have much males in schools. Mm-hmm. And when I went into college, and I started studying, I did counseling, and I really enjoyed counseling people, listening to people, the skills that are involved in counseling, and did a master's in education also. So I started working in schools, and I interfaced a lot with superintendents, and one superintendent, Dr. Mostow, said to me one day, you have the capacity to lead, and people are really influenced by you. Why don't you go back to school and do your leadership program? And I did. I went to Hofstra University, 
met a great professor, Dr. Garfinkel, retired superintendent from Oceanside, and he said to me, Tony, you're going to do well. You know, you have a whole lot That's of things. Encouraging. Yes, it was. It was very much encouraging. And the cohort that I, I was part of, I remember the or last semester, we were all talking about who's going to be the first to get this job, this leadership job. And, competition. Uh, yes, it was some very good competition. And I went out for my interview and came back and I told them I got the job. So I became assistant principal in Long Beach School District at a high school and worked with a great superintendent and a great team of people. And that really kind of prepared me for the pathway which I am on today, being the principal of West Islip High School, uh, really leading a great school organization and a great community. So uh, in a nutshell, that has been my pathway to okay. leadership. Well, great. Now, how would you describe your leadership style? I would say that we know that a principal is the most visible, recognizable face in any school building. We also know that the principal is the second in terms of the necessary element for student achievement behind teacher instructional practice in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I have to inspire my staff. I have to work towards energizing my staff. So for me, the skills and the traits that I have, my style is to be very collaborative, to be very transformational, because I'm a strong believer in the, the phrase that says that good leaders change organizations Great leaders change people. Mm -hmm. And Michael Fullen, who I really follow a lot, talks about relationships, relationships, relationships. That's all it's about. Yes, in organization. So that's, I would say, in terms of my style. Uh, anyone who knows me know that I'm very inclusive, I'm very visible, I'm very open. And, you know, sometimes we say that we're open and we're not necessarily open to people, to criticism. And I'm very much in terms of that mm -hmm. aspect. So I am about understanding my why. I mean, Simon Sinek talked a lot about your why, knowing my purpose, establishing trust, building a sense of, you know, focus and leverage and, and really providing necessary feedback and change, managing change in my organization. And I do that through transformational leadership. Very interesting. Two years ago, a doctoral student from Hostra did his dissertation study on me, a case study in transformational leadership. He came, he surveyed all my teachers, he interviewed me many times and my assistant principals to really find out my style of leadership and how my transformational style really led to success in my school. So that was very, really good So you me. were a subject of study yes. at a doctoral program. That's awesome. Yes. So you mentioned transformational a couple of times, and I know when I first started in education, I had my admin in mm -hmm. education, and that word was being thrown around. And when I doubled down on it, a lot of people had confusion about mm -hmm. that. What does transformational leadership mean to you? Well, it's not easy to evaluate it, but you know, in terms of inspirational, providing the necessary conditions for people to do their job. I'm a strong believer in inspiration. It doesn't matter what negative issues we have, but if you have a group where you can galvanize your teachers, your staff to the goals, the vision of the school, you do that. And you do that through a sense of openness, a sense of in terms of believing in people. Clarity of purpose is very important, letting people communicate in well and being receptive to change, that you don't always have to be the one at the forefront. You can lead it from the back sometimes, you can lead in the center, but I believe that 
with the staff that we have today, transformational leadership is really key to helping people to move beyond. If you go from a transactional perspective, I don't think it will be effective. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned inspiration, which mm-hmm. really speaks to transformation. That's one yes. of the foundations. So thank you so much for that. Now, which quote or quotes about leadership <laughs> speak to you and why? I smile at that because yes, you do. Uh, because uh, anyone who knows me, whenever I get up to speak, I begin with Max Dupree. Mm-hmm. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Mm-hmm. The last is to say thank you. And in between, the leader must be adept or sovereign to its people. In leadership, we're very good at defining reality. But at times, we have problems in saying thank you. So we need to say thank you more often to our staff for the hard work they're doing. So I really love this. Another one that I like a lot, and he's not necessarily an educator, David Gergen. says the leader's role is to raise people's aspirations for what they can become and to release the energy so they will try to get there. Hmm. This is so profound, you know, and the meaning for me, at times, I have to step away. Again, I don't always have to be in the front. You hire people, they're professional, they know how to do their job, let them do the job, get out of the way. So it seems like you trust in their ability, in their heart, in their intentions. Yes. And trust is a very important ingredient in terms of any relationship. If you trust the people and they trust you, they would do a lot for you. And a lot for the school yes. and the students. Okay. Anthony, can you tell us what type of leader are you inspired by and why? Again, I'll go back to the collaborative approach, Mm -hmm. the people type of leader. Leaders who are open to criticism and believe in shared decision making. Leaders who are not afraid to be vulnerable and leaders who can cultivate leadership in the organization because the role we play at time is mentoring. You have to really look at your legacy at times. You don't have to be there for the entire time. And sometimes we're scared to cultivate leadership in others because you don't want that person to take your job. Mm -hmm. So I respect leaders who can cultivate that, who can create that trust within the organization. I am not a theory X person. I cannot follow a theory X type of leader who believe that people are inherently lazy and we always have to manage them and be on top of them, that they try to avoid work. So I'm not a believer in a micromanager. So I have worked with some superintendents who have really been good. Good friend of mine, retired superintendent, Mr. Simon. I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. This capacity to read. And he used to have what we call reading circles, that we read educational books and come back and talk about it. Uh, Ron Friedman back in Long Beach, the decision-making process. And I learned a lot from those people how to make decisions in terms of collective group, you know, listening to all the different stakeholders and coming together with regards to consensus, understanding the politics of education. So I, I respond to those leaders. I'm very interested in always being in terms of uh, public speaking. And so I used to listen to and read speeches made by leaders. One of the first encounters for me was the former prime minister in Grenada, Maurice Bishop. His articulation, his interest in the people. He was a people's person, and that for me was the beginning process in terms of understanding people and really being that visible presence for your people. I'm writing down some really great stuff. You talked about a leader who's collaborative, who's open to criticism, Mm -hmm. who cultivates leadership. You also said legacy. Mm -hmm. And not very many people think about that. Mm -hmm. Tell us why a good leader wants to think about legacy. I think this is really one of the foundational or fundamental pieces in leadership, your legacy. It's important because you need to leave something there 
that is of viable, of significant importance. Your people. There's a good book by, I think, Kuzer and Kozner on the leader's legacy. I bought this book and I brought it to the prime minister in Grenada last year mm -hmm. because I believe in so much in terms of the person's legacy. What are you leaving behind? What do people say about you? Because we can talk a lot about ourselves and how good we are, but what do people say about what us? What do they really yes, say? What, so I think right. the legacy in the perspective of others, right. okay, training people or developing or cultivating leadership in others, that when I leave, I leave this place in good in place. capable hands. Capable hands. So somebody said to me uh, when I came into West Islip, Anthony, you have a great opportunity here to do well. Don't screw it up. And this is literally in my head every day as I go to work. So that's one of the quotes. Yes. <laughs> you Anthony, know, don't screw don't up. Don't screw it up. He didn't use the word in that way. Some other colorful, don't mess up. Yeah, yeah. colorful words. But, and you have to make good and leave the place better than you had it. Because, again, we talk about Collins of good to great. You may have good organizations. You've got to take it to level five leadership, to a great organization. And so that's where your legacy, who you are as a person, what you do. This is why I'm so happy with my current job and what I'm doing. Well, I really appreciate this opportunity because I get to learn, too. Our listeners get to learn all the books. All of that mm -hmm. knowledge is mm -hmm. coming forth. So I'm really grateful for that. Now, Anthony, what's the best advice you've ever received? Know what hill to die on. That's this is good. this is profound, especially in the job that we're doing. There are a lot of things that come out to you every day: parent issues, staff, union, central office. You pick your battles and pick it well. Sometimes you have to walk away, do what you have to do. But any given day, know what hill to die on. Maybe today this is not a hill I want to die on. Mm -hmm. So my reaction or response to a situation. It's okay. The other one that I receive is to create and control your own narrative. Narrative is important. The leader's story, it's important. And sharing your story. And people may come and try to say or do whatever. There but will always be naysayers. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. But your narrative, try to control your narrative. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have a good team? And how do you build or sustain one? That's a great question because team learning is really important for any organization to grow the organization. So first of all, I think we have to have trust. You must establish trust for a team to work. You have to build capacity. And the team has to start thinking together. I am also a disciple of Peter Senge, the fifth discipline where you talk about a number of different disciplines. And before we get to team learning, you also have to examine your mental models. You know, what are my assumptions that I'm making? So let's stop there for a minute. That's not easy to do because no. it takes a lot of reflection, yes. right? But how do you initiate that process where you start to examine your mental model with other people? This is where trust comes in mm -hmm. and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I can give you the example of coming into this job, not knowing anyone. There was an established culture here, and I had to learn that culture. So my first couple of months was really observing, listening, talking to the right people, understanding the roles in terms of the culture of the district, and then being open in my faculty meeting, being vulnerable, mm -hmm. saying, asking for questions in my meeting. What do you think? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? How am I doing? May I caught you to ask that question all the time. How am I doing? Mm -hmm. To get feedback. And I put up suggestion boxes in my office for teachers and others to 
share concerns, I read them, I act on them. Those are the things you do in terms of uh, building the team learning. But because action speaks really louder than, right. than anything. Modeling you know, mm-hmm. Senge says something, today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. So we have to look at our problems and how we solve them and involve people in the decision making. When people realize that they're part of this, they will continue to work for the school, the vision, and doing everything. So transparency is very important also in terms of doing this. Right. Okay. So can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? I can take it from a personal level first and then and, and the professionals. Sure. I remember when my twin boys were born. They were born premature. Yeah. Very, very tiny. By the grace of God, they're here today. How old are they? They're 20. The challenge is because the mom was also sick. So she was on the fourth floor while they were on the fifth floor of that hospital. So I was the only person there to uh, manage all these issues. And it made me really strong. I think my staff has said to me, um, problems come and you have this perspective in life that it's going to be okay. From that, to see where they were and where they are today, it's amazing. Because I go back to, in psychology, Bowlby's experiment with regards to the attachment phase of kids. If you don't hold them as little kids, I had to hold these little ones, you know, and be there, that person. Because for me, not growing up with a dad and having to play that significant role for my sons and exposing them to all that. So that was one of the biggest challenges for me. And anything that came after that, I'm good. Mm-hmm. At work, you have to deal with, at times, decisions that are made from different areas. We are middle managers, so when the district office may make a decision and I have to implement and do all these things and my staff may not be on the same page with this, and this past year we've had a few challenges of our own in terms of the relationship. But I think in overcoming those things, there you go again with openness and trust and explaining to people. Because sometimes people get upset because they're not aware of certain things. So when you explain it, and you have to explain it more than once sometimes, and you have to take the blame. When people come after you and say things as the leader of the organization, you have to embrace it and not take it personal. I can see how that experience with your boys where you had to nurture them Mm -hmm. through that time and you also had to continue to grow yourself, right? Because they're depending on you, your wife's depending Mm -hmm. on you. Mm -hmm. Then you come into an organization where people are depending on you. Even though, you know, there may be a rough front, right? Other people may have a negative reaction Mm -hmm. because a new person's coming in, right? Um, But the fact that you come in and you've had that experience with being nurturing and understanding where people are, that connection that you have to people really helps. And I can feel it here. I came here and we're (laughs) connecting right away. But it's a lot because of who you are and your smile, your welcoming and your openness to give and to pour into our listeners. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. So can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you? I think getting my doctorate for me as a Caribbean guy coming in, knowing my story, where I came from, how I grew up challenges that I faced as a young man going to school and the belief was for me education is my emancipation and coming and being successful so when I got this I realized this was not only for me but this is also for all those who have tried in the past and, mm-hmm. and others and getting this job as principal of the school 
here I am as the first African-American predominantly white school on Long Island and been successful at it because believing in the community and people are not judging me based upon the color of my skin, but basically in terms of my character, my intellect, the way I deal with people. And so that for me was some of the successes I've had in my life. You know, as you were saying, how education was the emancipation. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom, I grew up in the South Bronx, mm-hmm. and my mom would just say, education's the way out. Yes, it is. And it surely helped me to focus. Mm-hmm. That and I prayed. I didn't listen to much else that she said, <laughs> but those two things. So, okay, great. Now, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? One of my EPs who just became a principal, a first year as a principal, he had some challenges this year. And I said to him, find leverage. The area of greatest leverage is the least obvious. Mm. Find that person, that group of people that you can talk to, even your biggest naysayers. Build trust. Because you have to understand your culture, you have to assess it, and you've got to continue to keep working at it. So I would tell that person, don't give up. Mm-hmm. There are challenges, and you still have to walk around. I mean, with the concept of management by walking around. Because you can really resolve a lot of issues by just doing that, rather than waiting for these things to build up. And when you have this big meeting, people start acting up and all that. But understand where you are. And, you know, change happens in small steps. I always say the two organizations or places where change are the slowest to take place, the church and the education system, schools. So keep working at it. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Build relationship. And understand also that you don't have all the answers. So mm-hmm. I would encourage a person to continue to do that. And so what about getting help or mentoring or coaching? Is that important? Yes. And too many times we come into the position of leadership and we don't have mentors. But this is why I love and I have that passion for teaching. I teach leadership class at the College of St. Rose. I also do at Hofstra. And the opportunity to really cultivate leadership in those minds who want to become leaders, I think is important. Also, reading. You're going to read sometimes. Because, you know, there are so many things out there, great books out there that you can, one can read to really help them understand the problem. Great. Thank you so much for that. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? Well, it means for me, I'm going to continue to learn. Always, every day, you learn something new. It's intentional and sometimes it's not, but I love to learn. I like to go to conferences. Every time I go to a conference, I bring back books, and not for myself only, for my colleagues. So that's important for me in terms of my own learning. I talk about legacy before. For me, that's what I'm learning now a whole lot because I build in my legacy and sharing my story. So I think it's important. My own professional growth, you have to learn. You cannot just be caught up in the mundane monotony of life. Read grow. Something I do a lot, I get manuscripts from Solution Tree Publishing, Mm -hmm. and I read those manuscripts, give feedback for new books and all that, and in turn, they give me a whole lot of books. So my library in my office is overflowing. I like that idea. Can you tell us again what was that? Solution Tree Publishing. Free plug for them. Yeah, it's good. This gives you so many good books after you read. You know, when you do the manuscript and you write a report, you're going to get, you know, that manuscript, that book, also three others you can pick from one. So you summarize there. Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay, great. Now, if there was something you could change in education, what would that be? 
I think a couple of things, the public perception of public education is a big factor. Especially we, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't mind standing up and defending public education. Mm-hmm. So we have to do that and tell our story more. I think there should be less focus on standardized testing. There are too many testing. I think we have to look for alternate forms of assessment. If I were to take it from the micro level in terms of schools, for my teachers, less teacher talk in lessons. I like student voice in decision making in school. There should be more of that. I think too many times we make top down decisions and we don't involve students. So I, I'm a very big believer in student voice. Right. Okay. Now, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? There's so many good books out there. Um, I just finished reading a few books. The Art of School Leadership, Thomas Ho, where he talks about the different aspects in terms of what a principal or school leader needs to do. I love Douglas Reeve, Daily Disciplines of Leadership. One of the best books were besides the systems think in the fifth discipline from Peter Senge. I was trained to become an aspiring superintendent three years ago. Mm -hmm. And the book we used was Warren Bennis on becoming a leader. Using from the corporate world stories and stuff in terms of how people handle different situations and problems and stuff. And that's a really good book on becoming a leader. You talked about daily discipline of leadership, and that leads to the next question. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities you have? I believe in reflective practice. I begin my day very early. I get up at 4.30. I go to the gym And once I hit the gym, I'm ready for whatever comes that day. So I go to my office. Uh, First thing I do, talk to the custodial staff to talk about the night before. Is everything okay? Because you never know what will happen Mm -hmm. at school on any given day. Then I will go into my office and look at my calendar. It's very important that in terms of leadership, take a look at the leader's calendar. What do you have? If you're just being in your office and having meetings, you're a manager. You're not a leader. You've got to be in classrooms and talking to people and all that. I do that, and I always go on our system to see how many teachers are out that day because it will set the tone for that day. And I come out and I greet my students. I stand at the bus every morning when greeting my students, saying good morning. I try to talk to every student passing in the hallway. How you doing? Mm-hmm. may not know all the names, but right. try to connect with them. Evening at the end of the school day, back into reflection mode and finishing whatever paperwork I do. It's a lot, but how you manage it is important and your balancing of situations and events and all that. Getting up and exercising, I think that's really important. When I exercise, I know I think differently. I mm-hmm. start getting more ideas, right? Yes. Is that what happens because to you? Because a lot of things come through your mind and give you a new perspective of different things. And So you say you reflect. So is there a time where you set aside in the morning to reflect or pray or meditate? Yes. Know? When I get into my office, I close my door mm-hmm. and spend time alone. Yeah, that's incredibly yeah, important. It, yeah, it is. It is. Because especially this past year, we have had some challenges. And um, for me, if I didn't reflect in terms of understanding the problem or the issue, I think I would have been kind of overreacting mm-hmm. to situations. Right. So that has helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you so much for that. Now, many educational leaders put in long hours. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give about maintaining balance? I think, first of all, we need to take care of ourselves because we need to have a healthy life. And today or tomorrow, you fall down, you're gone, the job is still there. 
somebody mm -hmm. else will come in and do the job. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time as a teaching leaders, take care of yourself, find some time. For me, I love comedy, I love to laugh. So I will find time, even in my faculty meeting, if I have to have some things to laugh about and let my faculty laugh together. Mm -hmm. My end of year faculty meeting, the last one for the year in June is a comedy show. Oh, I really? tell stories as to what happened Wait, this you're year. a stand-up comic too? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, I'll be, but you have to laugh. You got Because when you laugh, it opens up your system. Yeah. You know. Um, so yes, taking care of yourself, spending time with your family, doing things that you like, going on vacation. Because vacation can renew your spirit and renew your energy. So I'll encourage people to do that. Awesome. Well, and if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't help other people. You can't. Right. Okay. So if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? <laughs> Not everyone will agree with you. That's really the first thing with your decisions you make. Also, the importance of communication, clarity and precision. Sometimes you've got to say more than once. Not because you sent out an email, you think people get it. But a lot of times people don't read email. So maybe sometimes we'll say, I told them. Or they read it differently. Yes, right? exactly. Mm -hmm. And the importance of not just emails and sending something through electronic means, the face-to-face -face contact is important. You can read body language and all that. You know, we get caught up with text messages and all that, and we cannot read feelings behind those words. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to someone face-to-face, -face, so I always go back, and maybe that's where the humanistic counseling piece is coming in, but when you talk to someone, when you make eye contact and really engage that person, mm -hmm. big difference. Yeah. And I prefer face-to-face, -face, which is why yes. I'm here. But sometimes that's impossible. And so I do Skype, which to me is the next best thing. Right. But I think you're right on. Well, for example, if you have to talk to a teacher, maybe you have some reprimand. You don't just send that in an email. You'll go talk to the teacher. Mm -hmm. And too many times as leaders, I think we get caught up in this memo piece and let me write this memo to you yes you can take notes but i i like to talk to the person face to face to understand what happened mm -hmm. because i like to get the perspective also and if i'm more angrier than the person who did whatever they did then mm -hmm. it's a problem mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. okay thank you anthony is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed yeah i would say give back you need to give back more i came as i said before from really humble beginnings mm -hmm. And I formed a not-for-profit organization in Grenada, where I grew up, called Bridging the Gap. There are threefold to it. I provide nutrition programs to the school in terms of lunch, provide shoes to students, because lots of students at times do not have the proper food to wear, and also do scholarships. And I would say this has really given me an opportunity to establish my platform. I have also gone back there and trained counselors, teachers, and principles in terms of leadership. I'm a believer in that, giving back, because if you have done something good, you need to really mm -hmm. share that. So So I know when I first walked in and we were talking, you said that you had just come from a trip to Grenada where you yes. took your students. Can you yes. tell us a little bit well, about the, that? Well, I'm so blessed to be where I am in my school in West Islip. The students really are interested in doing community work, and they came up with the idea to go to Grenada. 
They and came up with that they idea. They came up with the idea to go to Grenada. They did research in Grenada because of where I'm from, and they wanted to study it. So they had a Grenada Cultural Day in the school. Ooh, uh, fun. That was really fun. All the, the foods from Grenada, the culture, different aspects of it. And we went down, brought school supplies in the end of June. Well, how many students? Six students went. Mm-hmm. And it was a little expensive trip, but next year we're going to have a lot more going because we're going to advertise it and stuff and start earlier than we did this year. The experience they had down there was tremendous. They wanted to be part of, you know. Something bigger. Yes. And they came back and shared the stories and talked to a few of the parents, and they were very excited and happy. So if some of our listeners wanted to learn more about the foundation, is there a website they should go to? We're in the process of developing a website. More have it on social media and Facebook. So if I'm on Facebook, what should I look for? Bridging the Gap, GDA Incorporated. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you. So Anthony, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you. It was a pleasure. and I really enjoyed to share my story and uh, share my platform. Thank you so much for that. Of course, it was fun. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hello, leaders. This fall, we're kicking off some amazing mastermind groups. So make sure to go to masterleadership.org and find out how you can register and be a part of this wonderful community. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.